It's If That Makes Sense from Family Life, and you're listening to the second-to-last episode of our first season. We'll be coming back to you in the fall, so now is a great time to get subscribed. Keep checking back in to make sure you don't miss those new episodes when they're up, and please do send us a comment on whatever podcast app you're listening to. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're waiting for more If That Makes Sense, it's a great time to start listening to our friends over at The Sunny Side, a brand new podcast with Sunny Delphiette, or check out Therese Talk, which is a weekly podcast release every Tuesday with Therese Main. Without any further ado, let's listen in to what's coming up on today's conversation about what makes the Bible so special. Reading the Bible, it's really important, and I don't do it enough. It's kind of like flossing. We all know we're supposed to do it. And then you go to the dentist, and they ask how many times you floss per day. And do you guys you think, tell the truth? What, what can I say that's not an outright lie? <laughs> flossing is good. Do it. But just a thing you need to do because it's good for you. That's true about the Bible, but maybe it's better to think about it as it's somebody who loves you, who wants to spend time with you. You're listening to If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast about what life is like as a Christian in your 20s thereabouts. My name's Tim, and I work in Family Life's radio production department. I'm Mike, and I work in the performing arts and events departments. And I am Trinity, and I work for the events department. Guys, it's exciting to be together for our penultimate episode of season one. We that all is like, exciting. <laughs> and like also, I just learned what penultimate means today. Isn't it a great time. word? So, uh, it's exciting. Why don't you I'm share with us what it, what it means? It's the second to last episode of the season. Yes. At least of this season, yes. for if that makes sense. That's, it's a wonderful, <laughs> it's fun when you have words for really specific concepts. Mm-hmm. Like I love penultimate, that word. The, the second <laughs> to last. And then once Only you know it, you find places to use it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Being that it is the penultimate episode, we're going to be talking about something that has kind of given guideposts to every conversation we've had so far in this show. We've talked about a lot of things under the sun. And every time, though, the common undercurrent for each conversation has been God's word and what God's word has to say about it, how we read God's word on this topic or that topic. But today, it seemed like a good idea to just talk about the Bible for the Bible's sake, because the Bible itself is incredibly cool and it's really awesome. It's actually hard to define It's not a book. It comes between two covers and it has pages and chapters, but it's 66 different books. But, you know, it's not just like a collection of books because they are woven together. Unlike if you step into a library or somebody's bookshelf, they might just be a collection of their own favorite books. But that's not what the Bible is. It's cohesive. It's different. It's hard to define. So How do you even get your hands around this living and active word that is the Bible? And I thought of a woefully lacking comparison (laughs) that could maybe help us start to get an edge into this conversation. And that is, imagine if someone asked you, what's your favorite movie? And then in a follow-up to that question, they asked you, what's your favorite thing about that movie? So you might answer a lot of ways. You might say that it's the story, that it's just so compelling. It might be the actors, they're so relatable, or the music and the way it makes you feel. Could even be a memory of the time you first saw that movie. There are a lot of different ways, right, that we look at our favorite parts of some of our favorite things. Well, if we're talking about the Bible, that's the kind of dimension I think there is to this really overwhelming question that I'm gonna throw at you. What's one of your favorite things about the Bible? First of all, I'll just say, 
That's a really big question,、uh-huh. and it's a hard question. <laughs> and as I was thinking about that earlier this week, I just I think I came to the conclusion that no matter who you are, we're always drawn to stories. We we love the adventure, we love the conflict, and we love the resolution. And I think with the Bible is what I love about it is it's telling this one big epic story, and it's true. It's completely true, and. It's not just about the characters in the Bible who get to experience that, but we get to experience that as、mm-hmm. well. And God gives us a glimpse into how the story is going to end, but not really end. I recently read the、uh, Last Battle from Narnia, which I had never read before, and I read that earlier this year, and it was just such a beautiful picture of. Of what I think is to come, as、mm. even for Christians, you know, and just that epic conclusion that we're going to see play out, and we're a part of that still.、Mm-hmm. You know, do do I don't know if you guys think about it as much as I do, but it's like we're a part of the story, right? I, I I think so often when we see story, when we watch stories like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or whatever, it's like, oh, I want to be a part. I want my life to be epic. I want it to be full of adventure. But it's like. It is. We're in the best story of all of it, of all, and and it's completely true. But anyways, back to the last battle. I love the final quote in the book, and hopefully it's okay if I share. I don't want to take away from our conversation from the Bible, but I do think it's just this really beautiful picture of, for even as Christians, what we get to look forward to. Yeah. So it ends with, all their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and which every chapter is better than the one before. And so, just like Lucy and Edmund and Mister Tumnus, we can say with absolute confidence that we will live happily ever after with our Maker.、Mm-hmm. You know, but that's just the beginning, and every chapter. Is going to be better than the next, and that's、mm-hmm. going to constantly be revealed to us. And so that's, I think, my overall thoughts with、yeah. what I love about the Bible is just the big story that God shows us to be a part of with Him. Because we do love looking at stories and feeling what those characters might feel, and all of that, and putting ourselves in their shoes. I really liked what you said about that. That it's not just one of those stories where you look at it from the outside and think about those characters feel. In a bigger way than you are able to do with any other fictional story, you can look at the Bible and look at those true stories, and then also apply them to your own life because it's、mm-hmm. your story too,、mm-hmm. and that's something you can't do with any other story, whether it's a fictional story or a true story. Frankly, there's nothing else that you can you can apply to yourself so personally、mm-hmm. as the stories that are in the Bible. Because they are our story too,、mm-hmm. and and it does ultimately tell the end of our story. I love that. That makes me want to go home right now and read the Chronicles of Narnia. Have you read the final battle before, Mike? Yes, not、okay. for a while though. Yeah, I would say spoiler alert、uh, before, but it, I mean a book that's <laughs> that's like more than half a century, or, you know, half a century old. That kind of spoiler alert. I think there's a、True. statute of limitations on that, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, my favorite thing about the Bible kind of changes depending on what season of life I'm in. I of course love the story and the message and all those things, but for right now, I wrote down two words: truth, which is what you already said, so that's how I know it's the right answer, <laughs> and trustworthiness. And the reason those two things are so important to me right now is 
I find myself often seeking those two things. Is what I'm hearing true? And can I trust this source or this person, especially with things related to any type of news that's going on today? It's so hard to sift through and find what the truth is and determine whether or not you can trust the source or not. So um, I love the verse in uh, 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So so that's my proof right there hmm. that the Bible is both of these things. It's true, and I can trust it. So I don't need to waste all my energy trying to figure out if the thing I'm reading in Scripture is something that I can trust. I already That trust is already there. So I, yeah. can, I can know that what I'm reading in Scripture are things that I can apply to my life right now, and I don't need to worry, is this view tainted? Is this view inaccurate? Is this view biased? I know beyond the shadow of a doubt it's true, so I can just read Scripture, let God work it into my life, and I don't need to worry about whether it's true or not or whether I can trust it or not. Yeah. Part of it being true and trustworthy, I think for me, part of the biggest evidence for that is how well it all hangs together. Because these books are written over the course of hundreds of years. It all hangs together, though. It all Mm -hmm. has. Now, there are vastly different parts of the Bible. Anybody who is even casually looked into it can see that the Old Testament on the surface looks very different from parts of the New Testament. But the way it all hangs together and tells the same story over these hundreds and hundreds of years is something that even secular scholars who really give the Bible a a fair chance and don't just write it off as religious mumbo jumbo, that cohesiveness over time, over so many different authors, is something that makes even them take pause and say, Hmm. what is going on here? I mean, there are bibliologists who aren't Christians. There are people who Hmm. devote their lives to study the Bible as a document because they're fascinated by it, but they don't except Jesus as their savior. That's and, so weird. Yeah, it? that is, I've never wow. heard that before. That's yeah, well, really it's, interesting. It's actually pretty sad if you think about it, it too. Is, yeah. All that to say, that cohesiveness is itself what makes me feel like it is true and mm. trustworthy. More mm. than just looking at, say, archaeological evidence or whatever, and those things are really cool too to back up what the Bible says, and they do, by the way. But for me, seeing the story of Jesus play out through the entire Bible, mm-hmm. Genesis to Revelation, mm-hmm. is... Uh, right now, what I'm going to answer as my favorite part, <laughs> because it, it really is all about Jesus. We get that from Jesus himself. In Luke uh, 24, we've got the account of the road to Emmaus incident where Jesus has just been crucified and his disciples don't realize it yet, but he's been raised from the dead. And he is being a little sneaky here, which is fun <laughs> where you get to see some of Jesus' personality, I think. <laughs> and He's kind of just playing it cool, showing up to his disciples. They can't recognize him for some reason. It says that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Don't know how that happened, but they don't know that he's Jesus. And he's just kind of getting the insider scoop and hearing what they have to say. And they're saying to him, it starts here in Luke chapter 24, verse 18. Are you, they're talking to Jesus here. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? 
Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a sidetrack here, but Jesus was just crucified and just spent the three days in the tomb. And he raised from the dead mm-hmm. by the power of God. And they say, do you not know what happened? Are you the only one in the world who doesn't know what happened? And he goes, what happened? What <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. But we got to be honest with so. ourselves. He's awesome. <laughs> And then, of course, they tell him the whole story about how terrible it was, how this amazing Jesus guy, they thought he was a Messiah, but he was killed. And then Jesus answered them, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Hmm. From the very beginning of, now, first of all, can we only just wish we could have been there for that? Right. But that just goes to show me Jesus is saying, look, this whole thing has been about me all along. Let me show you how. Genesis 3, when there's a there's a promised offspring of Eve who would crush the head of Satan, but his heel would be bruised at the same time. That's me, guys. That's mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then Moses, who would be the deliverer of God's people, who as a child had to be hidden away from a crazed king's edict to kill all the baby boys. Hello, that happened to me here, Jesus saying. And I don't know if those are stories he picked, but that also proves to me that the God of the Old Testament isn't a different God than the God of the New Testament. Jesus himself says, this whole thing is all about me all along. And by the way, I'm all about showing you who my heavenly father is. Part of why I think our answers, each the three of us, kind of cover so many different types of ground is just because of what we've all acknowledged so far that the Bible is more than just a story. It's more than Narnia, another Narnia story. It's more than an accurate news reporting. It's it's more than a library of books. It's a living and active word. And that's a phrase we all use to describe the Bible a lot that we get from the Bible in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. What does it mean, though? living and active, to call God's word living and active. I think we as Christians say that a lot because it resonates with us. We each in our own experience believe the Bible to be living and active. But I think we maybe, it's good to take a step back and ask what we mean by that. Would you read Hebrews 4.12? I would. I sure would. Okay. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What does it mean, living and active? I, and I, I've kind of got like a curveball answer myself. Oh. So, so you're saving it for last. I don't have to. <laughs> I can give it first. No, I guess I would just start by saying I, I think it means that it, it has the power to move and, and, and change lives. And I, mm. Mike, I think it's interesting that you brought up 2 Timothy 3.16 because I was also thinking about that verse, um, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, etc., so the word of God, I mean, it's inspired by God. So you know it has the power to change lives, to convict lives. And and more than that, not just with conviction, but it teaches us, you know, how to live lives of righteousness. I, I can't not read the, the Bible and, and just be completely moved by it and affected very deeply by it. It cuts yeah. deep. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I was walking around the parking lot yesterday trying to figure out what this means. And I, I think this is why you asked the question, because it is one of those things that we all just assume we know what it means. But if somebody asks you what it means, you're like, oh, actually, I don't know. 
because everything I came up with made it sound like it's this magic book. And it's not a magic book. <laughs> what, what I think living and active means in reference to the Bible is this sets it apart from every mm -hmm. other book on the face of the planet. Mm -hmm. yep. And I can't actually tell you what exactly it means, but I can tell you this makes it different from all the other books mm. because there's no other book that's living and active. So I was doing research because I like to find people who are smarter than me <laughs> to see what they have to say about that's it. That's going to be hard, though. Actually, it's surprisingly simple. <laughs> <laughs> and um, John Piper was talking about, he said, living and active is the idea of it penetrates deep and it cuts through all hardness. Hmm. So no matter what type of person you are or what where how hard your heart is this book can cut through it and can soften your heart and melt your heart like no other book can do hmm so that oh that's cool and john piper said it and not me so it's probably true <laughs> so here's a question though it's interesting that you brought up the point earlier tim about the bibliologist who yeah. it's their their life to study the bible yet they don't believe it yeah so I think it's interesting, again, that, you know, what you're saying, Mike, but then there are the people, like, mm -hmm. what? How? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't really know how to even ask you guys that question. Well, it's just a thought. Yeah, it's a great, great thought. Think about maybe the difference between if you gave a cake to a scientist or you gave a cake to a child and you said, I want you to, to tell me all about this thing. I, I'm not bashing scientists here, by the way. It was just a handy comparison. <laughs> the scientist, if he's going to just throw science at the cake, could break down what the molecules are mm -hmm. and what the structure is and what kind of chemistry has to happen at certain temperatures to make it rise the way it does. But the kid could tell you, it's really pretty and it tastes <laughs> great. So who's more right? Who experienced the cake? Mm. The mm -hmm. kid did. Right. The scientist just got to tell you. You might have learned a lot of interesting things about cake's composition when you hear what the scientist has to say about it. But is that what a cake is for? A cake is to make you happy and fill your belly. They're missing the point of the object when mm. they don't study it the way it was meant to be studied. A cake was meant to be studied by looking at its pretty decorations and eating it not by piece, peeling apart every part of it. You can peel apart every part of a cake and talk about what it's made out of, but if you don't eat it too, what good is it to you? Ideally, we do best to do both of those things mm -hmm. with the Bible, take it apart and then eat it, you know, let it change us and get into our hearts. So I think that's a good question to ask. How can know. these mm -hmm. people kind of make inert a living and active yeah. thing? Well, if they don't treat it the way it's meant to be treated, if they don't let it have the place in their life and fill their belly the way it was meant to, right. Yeah. Yeah. I looking at this verse a little more in depthly, which I have not done, to be honest with you, in a long time. Hebrews 4.12. I, I, I just like, oh, living and active. That's what the verse says. What does it mean? I had to look and stop and look for myself. And I said, I have it. I said, I'd have a curveball answer for it. I'm excited. <laughs> Guys, it kind of shocked me. This verse is really a warning. It's not like an, I mean, it, it is an encouragement. A warning mm -hmm. for a believer is actually an encouragement because you know that God is going to give you the strength to do his commands so you know that you don't have to fear his punishment or anything. But it, it's, it's a warning. If you, it, I mean, it's, there's a reason he's comparing it to a sword and saying it, it cuts through and mm -hmm. divides. 
But essentially, if you read the context of what comes before this verse and what comes after it, you realize he's talking about, if you hear the word of God spoken to you, do not harden your heart. You know, you said, Mike, that the word of God cuts through all hardness. Mm -hmm. Don't harden your heart if you hear his word because even though he spoke it years and years ago, it's still active and it's still just as sharp as the day it first came out of God's mouth, as it were. And it still pierces through every false intention, every false motive. Mm -hmm. You might be able to put up a good front for other people, but the word of God is always going to be the standard by which we and the world will be judged. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't change and it doesn't lose its power. So it's really, when you look at this verse, it's in a lot of ways a warning. It's encouraging for Christians because we're on the right side, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely an encouragement to keep your heart in obedience to God's word. I think that's so interesting that there are so many passages like that that we can take out of context. Uh And it's this warm, bubbly thing. The the one that comes to mind for me is is in Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. How many times do I see plaques hanging uh-huh. in, in living room? Actually, I have one hanging on my <laughs> I was going to say, you have one, don't you? Because <laughs> I love that verse. It's a good one. But so many people don't realize that the, the context of that verse is the Israelites are going to be in captivity for 80 more years. Oh, my word. And that that's what comes right after that verse. And mm-hmm. I was just thinking of this... So this living and active is an encouragement for us as Christians, but it's also a warning. And and same, there's so many verses like that, like the the Jeremiah verse, where yes, that's still an encouragement, but also we need to understand the context and plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That doesn't mean pull you out of all the hard things in your life. That means walk with you through them and context is so important. It doesn't change the meaning of the verse per se, but it changes how we ought to view the verse in our own circumstances. So all of this being said about the Bible, we're clearly fans of it, right? But why is it still hard to get into it sometimes? Why is it still hard to get as much of it into our lives as we feel like we should? I don't think I'm just speaking for myself here to say that I think that reading the Bible is something most evangelical Christians would say, it's really important and I don't do it enough. It's kind of like flossing (laughs) and not the weird dance that the kids do these days. Talking about your teeth, flossing. I think that's the perfect way to describe We don't even need to talk about why it's hard. <laughs> just compare it to flossing and everybody knows. Yep. Yep. We all know we're supposed to do yep. it, but nobody does it. <laughs> Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it draws blood. You know, it really cuts uh-huh. deep like we were saying. <laughs> and then you go to the dentist and ha- they ask how many times you floss per day. And Do you guys you think, tell the truth? What, what can I say that's not an outright lie? <laughs> but also doesn't get me in trouble. You'd be like, oh, you know, just usually it's really vague. I but, used to do it once a day. But they see right through me because they look at my gum, they're like, yeah, she did yeah, it. I say I used to do it once a day. And what I mean by that is I did it once <laughs> since the last time I was here, but I did it once in that day. It's, I usually floss the week that I'm going to the dentist. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to the dentist this week. I better floss. I'll never notice. That way my gums are more conditioned for when they're picking at them. It's an exercise. <laughs> 
all that to say, it's like, yeah, it, we, it, it can also be more difficult the more we hear, right? Get in the word, read the Bible every day, read your Bible, pray every day. Somebody had to sing a Christian child's thing when Robbie wasn't here for the Thank podcast. You. I knew it wasn't going to be me. Thanks for yeah. stepping up. I had to Thanks. take care of that. Those things can sometimes become something we get numb to when we hear them too much. I want us all to maybe share a little bit on what are some other ways of looking at that that have been helpful for you in getting more of this in your life. And I can start by sharing one for me. Over the summer, I was out working in the yard and just thinking, and it just hit me in, in, in my mind, this visual of God as a person in my life. If he said to me, this friend of mine, I really, I'd like to spend, I'd like to spend some time with you. Could we make that happen? Could we set aside some time for that? If this was a person who loved me and cared about me and who I loved and cared about, and they asked me if I could make some time for them because they wanted to spend more time with me, I'd, I'd be all over that. I'd be like, yeah, yes, let's set a time, please. I would love to give you more of my time so you can be with me. I think sometimes it can be unhealthy to think about it like flossing because then it's <laughs> a thing that just hurts. <laughs> flossing is good, do it. But or, or like working out. It's, it's just a thing you need to do because it's good for you. That's true about the Bible, but maybe it's better to think about it as it's somebody who loves you, who wants to spend time with you because we meet God in his word. The Bible isn't God, but that's where we find him and that's where he speaks to us today. So that was a perspective shift for me, not thinking about the Bible as something I should do because it's good for me, but what an honor. Mm-hmm. that I can make time for God in my life so he can spend some time with me and I can spend some time with him. Yeah. I, For a really long time, you know, mainly through my teens and early 20s, I really wrestled with like, well, how do I spend time in the Bible? Because mm-hmm. I often felt like, well, I would compare myself really to, to other more mature Christians and be like, wow, they, you know, they read their Bible for an hour a day or they have these extra commentaries and they're learning Greek and Hebrew. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's my fault. I put the pressure on myself like, well, I need to, to do it like this, you know, because 10 minutes in the morning or 15 minutes, you know, it's not enough. And it just honestly kind of alienated me more from from mm. being in the word. I think it also gave me an unhealthy view of God because I I would always end up feeling like, well, God must be so disappointed in me because I only gave him 10 minutes of my time or 15 minutes. And, you know, I think it's important to remember that the way we spend time with God is going to look different from person to person. And he doesn't expect us to all relate to him in the same way. And so, you know, if you can do 15 minutes in the morning and your heart is is there, that's that's what pleases him. And and that's growth there. And if yeah. you can be faithful in that, I think at least what I have found that he will bless that and he's going to grow in your heart an even bigger desire to want to know him more. Like it might be from okay, 15 minutes. Well, now I want experience God in other ways. Maybe I will add more time or maybe I will start reading these extra commentaries so I can understand the meat of the words even more. So ultimately, I will understand the person of God more and his character. The greatest commandment in the Bible is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And I think that, you know, for me, again, I I can still love the Lord my God with all my heart. And I don't have to feel like I'm disappointing him when I don't necessarily read my Bible for an hour in the morning. It might be 
Today, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart by spending time in nature and thanking Him for it, mm. or or sitting down at the piano and and using you know my gifts to enjoy this and to enjoy Him and 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 you know what He's given me. And I think it just looks different for everybody. And I I think sometimes we put ourselves in these boxes and give ourselves these really big expectations. And I don't think the Lord wants us to feel stuck there. I love that. So. That's good. I, I had said break the mold and change it up because mm-hmm. I get stuck in habits and then very quickly I lose focus and I can't concentrate. And just recently, my time in the morning, it is always in the morning because I fall asleep at night. So that doesn't work for me. It's so different from one day to the next. Like it used to be you have to read this number of chapters and then you have to journal about it, and then you have to pray for 20 minutes, and then you can go and start your day. And that got old really quickly. Now I'm just finding it's much more like what you were talking about, Tim. If God were to walk up to me and say, hey, I want to just spend some time with you this morning. Do you have any time to spare? I'm like, yeah, of course. So sometimes I read a lot, sometimes I read a little, Sometimes I don't even open my Bible. Sometimes I just focus on talking to God. And I specifically say talking to God, not praying. Because when I think of praying, I think of folding my hands and bowing my head, say, dear God, please let this happen and please let this happen and please help this person. But talking to God is like, hey, God, this is what's on my mind right now. How can I honor you through this? or this is coming up in my life and I need to make a decision. What do you think? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will set your path straight. In all your ways, even the mundane things, that's just something recent that brings things to life when I'm talking to God instead of praying to some deity that's so far away and I don't know if he's gonna answer me or hear me. It just so I said break the mold and change it up because that's what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not on any type of Bible reading schedule right now or anything like that. Yeah. It's just sort of talking to God and yep. seeing what mm-hmm. he has to say to me. For prayers that are good for this goal, one that sticks out to me is from a deacon at our church. He said when he was first a Christian, he knew he had to be in the Bible, but he didn't want to read it. He didn't enjoy reading it. And so he prayed, God, help me want to read the Bible. Help me want to be in your word. Because right now, I don't want to. Little by little, it wasn't, it wasn't just praying, help me read it more. It was help me want it. And God answered that prayer. And if it's something you want, and if it's something God wants, when you pray that with a submitted heart, it's a prayer he's going to answer. I I love that because I think getting started reading the Bible and, and spending that time is the hardest part. And God doesn't want you to meet with him because you feel like you're obligated to do it. Yeah. He, he wants you to want to do it. You might not always feel that way, and then you do have to do it out of obedience. But ultimately, it's a relationship. So I, I love that prayer, and I don't pray it enough. I need to pray it more. For me specifically, God has blessed me with two specific examples of sort of falling in love with his word. 
and I can always look back to those times when I'm just bouncing through life and everything's fine and I think, I don't really need to read this morning because there's nothing hard in my life right now. So the, the first one was a winter camp that I was helping at and I didn't want to be there. I couldn't find a reason to get out of it, so I ended up going. Uh, a friend from college invited me. And prior to that, I barely even opened a Bible. I definitely didn't read it every day. But there's one evening where we were all, all the counselors and all the really smart, wise people who ran the camp, we were sitting around uh, a fireplace in one, of the, in one of the rooms, and we were in rocking chairs, which helped a lot. <laughs> it was super late at night, and we were just talking about God and theology and all these really cool things. And I had always sort of, my view of Christians wasn't good. Mm. It was, they're shallow. They don't embrace science or anything that uses your mind or logic. All they do is walk around and smile and say, how are you? How are you? How are you? God's so good. This is great. I'm great. Mm. It's like, I don't want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of like depth. And so I saw that that night with these people. And so it sort of stirred a desire and a want to know more because all of a sudden here's this Bible with this wealth of knowledge and logic and depth and it's not just shallow, hey, everybody's fine all the time. So I, I look back to that whenever I don't want to read the Bible. And then a couple years later when I was, I was living in a big city and, and going to grad school and things were really difficult and I felt like I'm not good enough at playing the piano, so I'm not going to make it through this college. And first time I was away from any sort of Christian influence, because I grew up in a Christian home and I went to a Christian college for my undergrad. And so that sort of instilled, put within me a need and a reliance for God's word. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I start to think I don't need to read my Bible, I think back to that situation. And correct me if I'm wrong, it's not like an overnight thing. Right. It's more like a, like over time, and you don't even notice it mm -hmm. till one day you wake up and realize, oh, something's different. Thank you for listening to If That Makes Sense. We're so glad we could have you with us today. Like we've said, it's the second to last episode of the first season, so do be subscribed and keep checking back in for the next season of this show, which is coming to you in the fall. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Whatever you've got to say, we'd love to hear from you. Please also check out what our friends are doing over at The Sunny Side with Sunny Delphiette and Therese Talk with Therese Main. And if you're enjoying them, share with your family and friends these Family Life original podcasts. Thanks so much, and we look forward to talking with you again in the next one.